This episode is brought to you by Milano Cookies. Look, sometimes that long Zen yoga class is just not in the cards. So maybe a cookie is. Pepperidge Farm Milano believes you should make some time for yourself once in a while. I know I have a particular space in my sewing room that I like to just take a few minutes every day. I sit there. I think about things. It's kind of like meditation and munching at the same time. You can get that yummy, beautiful cookie flavor. It makes it luxurious and delightful, and I always feel recharged. Milano cookies are truly a treat worthy of your me time. They're delicate and crispy with luxuriously rich chocolate in the middle. You really want to keep these just for you. So remember to save something for yourself with Pepperidge Farm Milano. Do you like boats? Do you like big boats? Do you like poor people and the rich people they serve on big boats? Are you always like, what goes on below deck? Hi, this is Anna Hosnier. And Nick Turner. The hosts of Deckheads. And we want to take you on a fun and goofy adventure. In this binge-style podcast, we will watch and recap every episode of Bravo's Below Deck and all of its spinoffs. And we're going to release an episode a day so you can watch along with us and listen to our silly daily recaps. Listen to Deckheads when it drops on February 20th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class. From HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Dublina Chakraborty. And I'm Sarah Dowdy. And we recently did an episode on 19th century dentist Horace Wells and his battle to receive credit for discovering inhalation anesthesia. And that episode was really fascinating to research just to find out about the rivalries that were created because of this discovery and the lengths that they would go to to get credit or discredit one another. And all this for a discovery that was supposed to be for the benefit of everyone. Yeah, something that maybe people shouldn't have fought over quite as much as they did. So it definitely got us interested in exploring some more of those science-related rivalries. Yeah, and of course, one of the most famous also involves one of our most requested historical figures. I feel like we always say that, but this one really is is. requested a lot. He's the big time. And that's Nikola Tesla. Tesla is probably most famous for inventing a safe and effective motor that could be used to deliver electricity using alternating current. And that alternating current method is still used today. But he also invented the Tesla coil, an induction coil used in radio technology, and many other things, which we will mention in a bit. But it was that first invention, and simply Tesla's devotion to the idea that alternating current was superior to direct current as a means of delivering electricity that sparked a bitter rivalry with a very well-known, very accomplished American inventor, Thomas Edison, of course. So we're going to be exploring Tesla's life, his contributions, his eccentricities, but we're also going to take a closer look at the contentious relationship that he had with Edison and the battle that they fought in the late 19th century to electrify the world. There was a lot at stake. So by the time you get to the end of Tesla's story, you'll really want to know how a mind like his got its start. So that's where we're going to begin. Tesla was born on July 9th or 10th, sources tend to differ on that, 1856, into a family of Serbian origin in a village in a part of Austria-Hungary that's now Croatia. His dad was an Orthodox priest, and his mom was a homemaker who hadn't had much, if any, schooling, but she was said to be very smart and really inventive, too. According to PBS.org, Tesla's mom would invent all sorts of gadgets to just help her around the house, including a mechanical 
mechanical egg beater. And apparently Tesla later credited her for his own inventive tendencies. His parents, though, kind of expected their son to follow in his father's footsteps. But he really excelled in math and science from an early age. And it soon became pretty apparent that further academic achievement along those lines was what he was going to try to pursue. And he wasn't just plain old book smart, too. We should get into that before we start talking about his his genius. Even when he was very young, he was really inventive and imaginative and even had a bit of a literary side to him. Yeah, according to Mental Floss, Tesla had both conceived of an idea for a water wheel, a machine for converting water to electricity, and read the 100-volume set of The Complete Voltaire by age five. So pretty impressive. (laughs) That is pretty impressive. Not everybody can even read yet at five. So there you go. That's true. He was a little ahead of the curve there. But in 1875, Tesla moved to Graz, Austria to attend the technical university there and trained to become an engineer. According to an article about Tesla and notable scientists from 1900 to the present, it's while he was there that he first saw a demonstration of the Graham Dynamo, a direct current induction motor. And while he saw that demonstration, he noticed something. He saw that sparks flew while it operated. And that's when he got this idea of coming up with a method that would overcome issues with direct current motor. So after Gotts, there's a bit of lost time in Tesla's biography during which he was ill. And apparently he would just study and study and work on his ideas so hard sometimes that he would make himself physically sick, or at least that's how his his father saw it anyway. And it really alarmed his parents enough that they tried to get him to switch career paths. They just thought this was not going to be healthy for their son. Eventually, though, Tesla is said to have moved on to continue his education at the University of Prague, although according to biographer Margaret Cheney in Tesla Man Out of Time, there's no record that he actually went there. He may have just audited classes and or used the libraries there. Regardless, by January 1881, he'd moved to Budapest, where he took a job in the Hungarian government's central telegraph office. In 1882, he moved to Paris to take a position with the Continental Edison Company, where his job was to address technical problems in Edison plants in both France and Germany. And according to Encyclopedia Britannica, it's while he was on assignment in Strasbourg in 1883 that Tesla really began serious work on his first induction motor and came up with a design for that. But he couldn't get a lot of support for or interest in it. So it was time for a big move at that point. He decided that he would head to America and see if he could garner, shake up some interest over there. So he set sail in 1884. He was in his late 20s by this point, and he showed up that summer with only four cents in his pocket, as well as a few poems he'd written and some calculations for a flying machine that he wanted to create. That really (laughs) paints a good picture of him, I think. And according to an article in American History by Ronald H. Bailey, Tesla also only had one outfit left by the time he got to the United States. It consisted of a bowler hat, striped trousers, and a cutaway coat, and all of the rest of his clothing and his stuff he had brought with him had been stolen on the trip over. He also had a reference from the manager of the Edison Company in Paris with him 
him too. He so he had like a recommendation along with him as well because he wanted a job with Edison's company in the states. But there was a little more to it than just that. There was a little more of a motive behind him wanting to get work with Edison. Edison, who was 37 at this time, was already considered a celebrated inventor. He'd invented the incandescent light bulb and the phonograph, and had recently created a system for providing electricity to homes and businesses that people in the New York City area were already benefiting from. Tesla hoped that he could get Edison's support for his ideas about alternating current, and that's why he wanted to kind of ring him up. Get Edison in his corner. Yeah, so he went to see Edison almost immediately after arriving in New York, and according to Bailey's article, later wrote that he was thrilled to the marrow to meet him. But it was clear from the start that these two guys, although they were both great minds, were complete opposites. Even in the way they looked and acted, I mean, Edison was short, pudgy, disheveled, and kind of folksy. While Tesla was more than six feet tall and slender, neatly dressed and formal, very serious looking. But of course, the biggest difference between these two guys was not just how they looked; it was their beliefs about the way electricity should be distributed, direct current or alternating current. So, before we go any further, it'd probably help out to give just a little bit of background on the difference between direct. Current and alternating current, just to give you guys a sense of what Edison and Tesla disagreed about. So we're going to stick to the real bare bone basics here because this isn't a science podcast. We're not scientists or electricians or engineers, but just to give you something to start with. Hey, listeners! I wanted to tell you about a new podcast from iHeartRadio called "The Women," hosted by Rose Reed. It is a fascinating and deep dive interview show where Rose talks to changemakers and disruptors, and she finds out what really drives them. So she will ask each of them, "What was your first stand, and how do you navigate success and failure? And really, what's the cost of fighting for others?" These interviews are really personal and they're candid, and sometimes they're a little bit crass, but they are always really enlightening. You can listen to these firebrands. And take away lessons that will help you navigate your own life and forge your own path. The debut season includes women like Valerie Plame, the former CIA agent who is now running for Congress, and whistleblower and pediatrician Dr. Mona Hanna Atisha, who exposed the Flint water crisis and became the center of a swirling, swirling amount of problems, uh, and the legendary Buffy St. Marie, 60s songwriter and activist. Uh, I have personal interest in this show because I adore Rose and I executive produce it, and I think you're really going to enjoy the way that she gets into these conversations that feel like two friends talking, and they are an absolute delight. So subscribe to The Women on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Holly, we have some exciting news. Yeah, I am wildly excited, and uh, people will have another opportunity to watch me cry at art. <laughs> yeah, you sounded so calm, and it's not a calm situation at all. Uh, our trip to Paris last year was really successful, so we're doing another similar trip this year, but this time to Rome and Florence. It's May 14th through 21st, 2020, and like last time, it is with a company called Defined Destinations, who is planning out this whole trip for us. Yeah, and during that week-long trip, we are going to see some of the great art that we have talked about on this show many times, including Michelangelo's David. We are going to go to Tuscany. We're going to visit St. Peter's Basilica. We are going to the 
Sistine Chapel. So it's going to be a fantastic trip. You can get the whole list of places that we are going and information about booking at defineddestinations.com. Scroll down to the Roman Florence trip with Stuff You Missed in History Class or come over to our social media. We have posts about it there too. So by this point, scientists had already researched electricity for a while, and people knew it was valuable. It was just a matter of how to get it where it needed to go. And Edison believed that direct current was the answer to this. In a direct current, electrons, which are the particles that convey electricity, just travel in one direction. And a lot of Edison's inventions ran off of this type of power. According to an article in American Heritage by Bernard W. Carlson, Edison preferred this method because it was simple and safe, but the downside is that it could only move electricity for short distances. His early power stations could only reach customers within about a mile's distance. So Tesla's preferred method, on the other hand, alternating current, involves electrons switching back and forth. So they travel first in one direction and then in the other direction. And they do this many, many times per second. So if you see something that's labeled 60 hertz, for instance, that means that the current is changing direction 60 times per second. So alternating current is more difficult to set up, but Tesla really believed in it because it was capable of distributing electricity across greater distances, and it allowed you to step up or decrease the voltage when you needed to make something like that happen. He also felt, Carlson writes, that alternating current would enable people to use electricity for more than just lighting, including running factory machines, street cars and elevators. So there was a lot of potential there. Potential. Exactly. Edison wasn't buying it, though. He wasn't buying into this idea. He thought that Tesla's designs for the new induction motor were both impractical and unsafe. According to Bailey's article, Tesla later recalled that Edison said, quote, very bluntly that he was not interested in alternating current. Anyone who dabbled in that field was wasting his time. Still, though, at least at first, Edison was impressed by Tesla himself, even if he didn't like his electricity philosophy. He was impressed enough, in fact, that he gave Tesla a job. And so Tesla, with his four cents in his pocket, you know, swallowed his pride took the job and got to work at Edison's Pearl Street power station. And his job there was to improve the performance of the dynamos or the generators. And interestingly, the direct current generators actually worked by creating alternating current, at least initially. Then they'd convert it to the direct current right before it was transmitted by using something called a commutator. This gig only lasted a few months for Tesla, though, and that was for a couple of reasons. First off, the fundamental differences between him and Edison were just too great. He just really felt limited by the position and unsatisfied with what he was doing because he didn't really believe in it. But there was also a situation regarding payment that caused Tesla to call it quits. Tesla said Edison promised to pay him $50,000 if he was successful in enhancing the power station's dynamos. But after Tesla actually delivered on this, Edison said that it was all a joke. According to PBS.org, the older inventor said something to the effect of, quote, 
when you're a full-fledged American, you can get an American joke, maybe. Yikes. Yeah, not very nice. But according to Bailey's article, Edison wouldn't even raise Tesla's salary from $18 to $25 a week. So so he didn't even get some compensation for not getting the joke. Right. So Tesla left and struck out on his own, and this time he was determined to do things his own way. But things still didn't go so well at first. He started his own electric company in Rahway, New Jersey in 1885. But the first real project he worked on after breaking ties with Edison didn't have that much to do with furthering his ideas about alternating current. He kind of got out of the business almost. There were some New Jersey businessmen who hired him to improve the lighting system in the city of Rahway, but they wanted him to improve upon an early system known as arc lighting. So Tesla took the job because, you know, it was at least some kind of business, and he did create a better type of arc lighting for the city or a better system of arc lighting. But the investors ended up taking all the money that was earned from the project for themselves, leaving Tesla with nothing. And according to Bailey, again, they even cheated the inventor out of the patents that he'd gotten for that new improved arc light he'd created. After that awful experience, Tesla was broke again, and he had to resort to working as a common laborer. And to add insult to injury, one of his jobs was digging ditches that would hold the electrical lines of none other than Edison's direct current grid. So we're going to leave you there for now with Tesla at a serious low. In the ditch. But if you're a huge Tesla fan, don't worry, because in part two, his luck does change. And we'll see what happens when Tesla gets some work done on that induction motor of his that he designed so long ago. And the current war really starts to heat up. We'll also take a look at Tesla's post-current war life, including how he earned the nickname Master of Lightning, and why some remember this one studious student as a mad scientist. So Mm. plenty in store for part two of Tesla. Hi, guys. My name is Sammy J. I have been working as a correspondent and interviewer since I was 13. And now at 17, I am so honored to be the youngest person to have her own podcast on iHeartRadio. It's called Let's Be Real with Sammy J. We'll have in-depth and unfiltered conversations with celebrities, activists, athletes, and influencers. We have some incredible guests this season, including hitmaker Megan Trainer, the amazing Kesha, Grammy-winning producer Phineas, YouTube sensation Liza Koshy, Grammy-nominated singer-songwriter Julia Michaels, the boy band sensation Why Don't We, and many more. We'll cover topics we're curious about, topics my guests are passionate about, and topics many of us are just too afraid to talk about. I get past the fluff to what's real. We go there, and it's fun, pretty crazy, and very revealing. Listen to Let's Be Real with Sammy J on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, what do we have on the plate for listener mail today? We have one email here from listener LaVon, and she says, Just listened to the Horace Wells episode while doing my morning walk and had to let you know that I was in Washington, D.C. last weekend with our Hall County World War II veterans to visit their memorial. One of the side trips was a visit to the Museum of American History. There on display was the first ether inhaler from 1846, with credit given to William Morton as the inventor of the device. Because my husband is an anesthetist, I took an interest in the display and snapped a picture. No mention of Horace Wells. Oh, 
Wow. Good news. Yeah. So the gas wars continue. The perhaps. gas wars go on and on. We also got another email from Frank. And <laughs> I know we've gotten dental stories from you guys in the past, but this one really applied after that Horace Wells episode since he was, in fact, a dentist. So Frank wrote us to say that my parents started seeing Dr. Silver when my older sister was born. He had a brand new office and the latest equipment. When he was still in practice, the local paper ran a story about his 50 years as a dentist. He had served in World War II. After hearing the dental drill for as long as I could remember, but having good checkups, I had 10 cavities and fillings from the time I was about 14 until I was in college, so from the mid-1980s until the early 1990s. He never asked me if I wanted Novocaine. I didn't know I could ask. I thought it was for, quote, real pain. My parents never asked me if I had taken any painkillers and never offered any after the fact. I, quote, got through by imagining really cold ice cream. (laughs) This is kind of a very sad email, but funny, too. I'm sorry you had to get through through all of that, Frank. But I guess you could really identify to some of the people we were discussing in that podcast. Yeah, on the bright side, you never had to go through that whole numbing sensation. I think that's probably preferable (laughs) at the end of the day. You're right, you're right. That's not a bright side. But thanks for writing in and sharing your story. If anyone else has any related stories that they would like to share or maybe just some other recommendations for future podcasts, please write to us. We're at HistoryPodcast at Discovery.com. You can also look us up on Facebook and we're on Twitter at Missed in History. And if you want to learn a little bit more about the science behind what we're discussing with this Tesla episode, we do have an article called How Electricity Works. And you can find that by searching for electricity on our homepage at www.HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. a new way forward when suddenly you have to, ready or not. Maybe you're relocating or having your first baby or leaving a relationship. Just starting or just starting over. On the road to somewhere, we talk about all of it, getting really honest. And we definitely laugh our way through it. That's the beauty of this journey. I'm Lisa Oz. And I'm Jill Herzig. Join us as we navigate our own big life changes on our podcast, The Road to Somewhere. Listen to The Road to Somewhere on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everyone. I'm Katie Couric, here to let you know that my podcast, Next Question, with me, Katie Couric, is back for its second season. I'll be diving into some big issues, like this country's devastating maternal mortality rate, the rise of astrology, and a little thing called the presidential election. Listen to Next Question. It comes out every Thursday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows.